I want to talk to you today. Love has a name, and we're going to be finishing today. Talk, we've been talking about love, and love adores extravagantly. Everyone say, love adores extravagantly. Amen. So love has a name. Week one, we talked about love starts with a name. And how many remember that? We, we were reminded uh, the, the, uh, the first week of the act of loving someone is sometimes as simple as remembering their name. And uh, I love that. I want to say this. Man, you teenagers look good over there in that corner. You guys look good. And then, and Wyatt, you look good back there, and, and Drew back there. And they're not in the corner, but you guys look good too. So some of them are scattered out, but I want to say that. But we were talking about uh, love, lo- remembering someone's name. And Jesus, you remember that story Jesus called uh, Zacchaeus out? Uh, you know, uh, he called his name, and Zacchaeus had childlike faith, and he ran ahead of the crowd, and he did what any any uh, short person would do. He climbed a tree so he could see Jesus because the crowd was too too much. And, and so he got up in the tree, and in the process of getting up in the tree, he positioned himself so Jesus could see him. And Jesus called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, and, and he called him out. And I love that. Last week we taught that love is more than a theory. I, I mentioned last week that I had a theory of what I thought marriage was before I got married. And I come, come to find out when you're married for a minute, you learn that your theories aren't always right. Can I get an amen? All right. And I thought that raising my kids would, I, you know, I, I mentioned this. I said, you know, when I used to get in line before I had kids at the grocery store and there was a toddler that was being a brat, and I thought, my child will never act that way. Well, guess what? God has humbled me three times with three different kids. And so I had a theory, but really there is more than just a theory. And so we, we know that love is more than theory. It's, it's okay to have theories, but le- it takes action to move forward, and it's easy to say that you love your neighbor, but acting on that uh, said love is another step, and that, that is important. And we talked about how messy it is to love our neighbor, and I talked about how messy it is to eat ribs. You can't go to a fine dining restaurant and eat ribs because they don't want you grabbing the ribs and getting them all over your face. We ended uh, powerfully uh, talking about the Good Samaritan who gave uh, he, he, he served in a messy way. He gave of his time. He gave of his money. And he loved on a Jewish man by, in all rights, he should have just ignored on that road. You remember the story, the priest walked by. I'm too busy. I don't have time. I can't touch this man because it will make me unclean. And then the uh, Levite followed thereafter. And it was more uh, out of, well, if I... If I touch this man or if I help this man, maybe it's a setup and someone's going to rob me out of self-preservation. But how many know as the people of God, we got to love people right where they're at and get down in the mess of what's going on in their lives and just love on them like Jesus would love on them. Amen? And love is not just something we talk about, but love takes action. And I hope that some of you got messy this last week loving on people, all right? And today we're going to talk about, uh, uh, we're going to be taking loving others and learning their names and their stories and sharing our lives together to a, another level. Everyone look at your neighbor say, another level. We're going to take it up a notch uh, to, to that level that, to the level that Jesus loved. And, and so Jesus loved extravagantly. How many can say, how many could say the, 
Jesus has loved you extravagantly. Amen. I love that. And, and we believe he continues to do so. He, he adores his bride, as Scripture says. So the church is his bride, and we have so much to learn from him about sacrificial, messy love. As the people of God, we ought to be getting messy. I'm not saying we ought to get in people's messes, but we ought to, in the process of loving on people, we're going to have to get our hands dirty sometimes. I think about the good Samaritan when he uh, was binding up the wounds of, of the man on that road, the Jericho Road that day. His hands probably got a little bit messy with the wounds of that man. And so as the people of God, we there may be times we do that. Instead of trying to cram every lesson about love for, uh, from Jesus into one sermon, everyone said, thank you, Pastor, please don't do that. Um, we, uh, we're going to look at just one story today, and I promise I'm going to do my best not to keep you long. And this is the story of Mary, uh, uh, the perfume and the radical exchange of love that happened at the table that night. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, and we're going to be um, looking at verses 36. I'm just going to read 36 through 38, but we're going to be going through most of these verses today. Um, and I, this is a beautiful story. It's just been uh, on my heart, and uh, and I'm I'm so grateful that we had such a a wonderful uh, moment of worship this morning because I believe that we're going to end on a beautiful moment of worship. Amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter seven, verse thirty six says this, and if you don't have it, you can see it on the screen. It says one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, everyone say a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Verse 38 says this, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Um, this is a beautiful bit of scripture. Some of you are already going, man, this is awkward. Yes, it is awkward, but let me tell you something. This is a beautiful bit of scripture. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that this word would penetrate our hearts today. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded, Lord, that you love, Lord, uh, you love us extravagantly, Lord. And, and, Lord, because you love us so extravagantly, Lord, that we can love you back extravagantly. Lord, I ask today, Lord, that you would break down walls. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me how you see fit. Lord, I am your vessel today. God, let your word go forth in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. All right. So I've got two points today, and here's point number one. I told you I'm not going to keep you very long today. And uh, matter of fact, worship team, don't, don't, get, don't get too comfortable, all right? Um, it, it says this. Uh, the point number one is this, Mary's, Mary's extravagant worship. Now, in this text, it doesn't necessarily call her Mary, and um, there's a lot of, of Marys in the New Testament. How many know that? How many know that it gets pretty confusing? Um, there's also a lot of Simons in the New Testament. 
and it gets awfully confusing. Well, okay, so this is Mary. This is not the sister of Martha and Lazarus, okay? This is not that Mary. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, not that Mary. Nor is this uh, Mary Magdalene, as some would suggest. Matter of fact, if you look at Scripture, uh, uh, the next chapter, it talks about her. But this, in Luke's gospel, it simply says, behold, a woman of the city. That's how it refers to her, who is a what? Sinner. Um, Not just a sinner, but a known sinner, Um, most likely a prostitute, okay, named Mary, and not, not, not in relation to the other Marys, but Mary was a very common name, as was Simon, and as is Johnson, as is Smith today, right, as is certain names that we hear today, I don't know what the most uh, uh, you know, um, common name is nowadays. I know when we lived in California, when Wyatt was born, we thought, oh, we're going to name our son Wyatt. He's going to be like a cowboy, and we're gonna, he's going to be tough. Well, we named him Wyatt in California. That was great. When we moved to Texas, guess what? Everybody was named Wyatt. We'd go to a baseball game, and they'd be like, go, Wyatt. And I'm like, they're cheering for my son. And there was just so many Wyatts. But anyways, all right, that, all right, that flew over everyone's head. All right. But it's easy uh, to get this story mixed up with uh, Matthew and Mark and John's account of Jesus getting his feet anointed with oil. And and most likely this account actually happened years earlier um, compared to to the other three. Um, There are some things that if we look in Scripture that can kind of verify this. Um, Mark and Matthew and John, uh, it says that they are in Bethany. And this story does not specify where they are at. And um, John's scripture actually kind of alludes that uh, Martha is serving there, which would make you think that it is in Lazarus' home. This is after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. So it makes sense that they're having a big party with Lazarus there at his house. And so it doesn't necessarily say that, but it's kind of implied there. And so um, in John's account, Mary, Lazarus' sister, anoints Jesus' feet at, and his head. And, and that's important. Um, in this story, the woman just anoints Jesus' feet. And there is a difference. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, I'm laying a little bit of foundation here. And it's important. We'll come back to that, to that thought of uh, anointing Jesus' feet and anointing Jesus' head. And, and so the stories, uh, uh, but the, here's the key. In Luke's, I like Luke's story here because we see this woman laying simply at Jesus' feet. And there's something powerful about when we come humbly to Jesus' feet. Amen? Um, uh, as, this, as the meal begins, this, the story says this in Luke 7, 37, and I think this is a little bit of a different translation than what I have. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster box of perfume. So, um, it's it's really impossible to convey the total absurd uh, absurdity of what is going on in this scene. You have Jesus, who is this prophet, who is visiting a Pharisee's house, who is eating at a Pharisee's house. This is people who are somebody in the in the church, you know. And and then out of nowhere, this woman with 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 her reputation, Scripture says, a sinner, referring to her job as a, a woman of ill repute, interrupting the dinner party of a prominent Pharisee 
And she comes in, and she starts crying at Jesus' feet. Her tears begin to flow on Jesus' feet. She uses her hair to clean his feet and breaks oil on his feet and begins to kiss his feet. How many think that's kind of an absurd story? All right, we're going to learn something for that. And can you imagine this, the smell, the scene, uh, the completely inappropriate nature of what's going on as she wipes her tears away with her hair and massages ointment over his feet. She pours out her ointment or um, spikenard on Jesus' feet, something that was very costly to her. And this woman uh, is a symbol of the beauty of worship. All right? Was she supposed to be there? No. Did she make herself be there? 100%. I love this about this woman. And so I want to just uh, kind of talk to you the, extravagant of, uh, the extravagance of Mary's worship here. And, and I'm going to give you just a few little points. Worship is costly. Worship is costly. That's the first thing I want to tell you today. Yeah, all right, if you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, wake up. Wake up today. Look at your neighbor say, wake up. All right, worship is costly. Um, here's, here's the thing that we can learn from this story. This woman's worship cost her something. She came in and she had to lose her pride in that moment. Didn't matter who was there. Didn't matter what was going on. She came in. And she had to just drop her pride to get at Jesus' feet. Look at this. James 4, 6 says this. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How many need some grace? Then humble yourself. Amen. And so this, this woman, she comes in and she humbles herself. She is uninvited. Anybody ever invited themselves over to your house before? And you're like, why are you here? Time for you to not be here right now. Who invited you, right? But she was not invited, and, 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 but uh, uh, she's not worried about the Pharisee. She's not worried about whoever's there. She, her only need is to get to Jesus. And I got to tell you today, some of us are so prideful that sometimes when we come into the house of God, we're focused on what this person will think about us, and we're focused on what they will think about us when we leave this church, when our focus should be to dwell on the one King of kings and the Lord of lords. It doesn't matter what happens. We have to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm here to worship you at your feet today. Amen. And maybe you came today and you came as a last resort and you thought, hey, I'll talk to the pastor. But can I tell you something, that Jesus is what you want, not me. I love this story because this woman, she doesn't go to the Pharisee. She skips right past the Pharisee says, I got to get to Jesus. And Jesus is the answer to your problems. Every one of them, every one of them, Jesus can fix uh, that which is wrong, and she came in lowly, crying, weak and lost. So, so, so my first point there is worship requires us to lose our pride. Everyone say, lose our pride. Here's the second thing that she did. She poured out her oil on the Lord's feet. Whew. 
Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just feeling this in my spirit today. She poured out her oil on the Lord's feet. It was probably the most expensive thing that she had. It was, it was, it was, it cost her something. Uh, we don't know the cost of this oil, but what she, and what she had to do to get it. If indeed this woman was a sinner, which implies that she was a prostitute, do you realize what she had to do to buy this oil? The cost of that. And, 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 and I don't care uh, what your past is. And I don't care if there's something about you. When you bow at the feet of Jesus and begin to pour yourself out, he takes recognition of it. Amen? Without a word, she begins to just pour this ointment or oil. She never says a word. She breaks this alabaster box on Jesus' feet. I love this. It wasn't perfect oil, probably bought with money that was dirty in nature, but it was what she had to give to Jesus. And sometimes when we come into this house, we may not have the best gift, but Lord, here's my gift. I'm going to give you the best that I have today. It may not be perfect, but here it is, Lord. And so if, if you're going to come to Jesus Feet, you're going to give it, you're going to have to give it 100%. Everyone say 100%. The greatest form of worship is giving yourself away to him. That's it. Saying my life is not my own, Lord, I, I pour it out on you. All right, here's number three right here. Uh, she, she became broken. Everyone say she became broken. How do I know that? Well, Tears begin to flow from her eyes. Why? Repenting of her past, looking at her mistakes, her letdowns, and having a true moment of remorse before the Lord. Her tears flowed in such a way, and, 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 and there were so many tears uh, that they began to wet the feet of Jesus. That's a lot of tears. We're not talking just a little one or two tears. There's tear after tear after tear where there's enough for her to use her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. She came broken. And it's one thing to be at someone's feet. It's another thing to use your hair, the very thing that she probably used to, to get men to notice her, the very thing that she used. She used her hair to clean his feet. And Jesus takes it a, uh, she takes it a step further. And, and not only does she wash his feet with her tears, her hair, and ointment, but she begins to kiss his feet. How many of you could say you've kissed someone's feet recently? And I'm not talking about a baby. There ain't a person in this house, if someone came up kissing someone's feet, we'd all be going. Scripture says this, God gives grace to the humble. I don't know what to do, Lord. I'm broken, but I know I love you. And I know that I'm supposed to be at your feet. And this is the only way I know how to show you that I, that I love you. And when we are broken, 
God will lift our head is what the scripture says. He is the lifter of our heads. And when we hit rock bottom, God can hold you up with his strong right hand. Matthew 5, 4 says this, Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You need comfort today? Maybe you're mourning. God is here to give you comfort. This act of, of worship was Costly. Everyone say it was costly. So too is ours when we humbly come before the Lord. God, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I don't deserve to be at your feet. But God, I love you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you extravagantly the only way I know how. And I'm going to show you that I care about you. But look at this. I love this. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many could say, hey, I've been made whole because I've confessed my sins and God has been faithful to me. This was probably one of the messiest situations that Simon the Pharisee had ever seen in his life. In this moment, he is there, this woman, a known prostitute kissing the feet of Jesus and washing his feet. And she is just, and Jesus is just letting it happen. She humbled herself. She didn't care who was looking or not looking. She set her pride to the side. She, she moved it to the side, and she said, God, I, I, I'm going to focus on you. I don't care who else is in here. I don't care who else is at this table. This is a moment that I have to worship you, Jesus. She didn't just do it in, in theory. She put action to her, to her love here, okay? So she was broken here, and she began to empty out herself. And, and, and here's the thing. Emptied out vessels make room for Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. Emptied out vessels make room for Jesus. She was broken there in that moment, with, with, and, 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 and she's worshiping him, not just trying to impress the Pharisees, but she's repenting it and making it about Jesus. She had extravagant worship. Can we just take a moment and lift our hands? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I told you I wasn't going to keep you long today. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. Can you just lift your hands in this house? Can we just give the Lord some extravagant worship today in this moment? Can we get at his feet today? Come on. Come on. I want you to lift your hands. I want, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, humbly we come into your presence. God, we may have to set our pride to the side today. Lord, we humbly come before you. And, God, we lay at your feet, God, and we give you the very thing that we have. God, it may not seem like much to you, but, Lord, we just offer it to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord. I love this. Look at this. Number two, point number two. Jesus, number two right here. We talked about Mary's extravagant worship. I want to talk about Jesus' extravagant response to her worship. See, there's two sides to this story. It's not just one. Look at this. Verse 39 says this. It says, now when the Pharisees who had 
invited him, talking about Jesus, saw this, he said to himself. Now, I want you to look at that. It's very clear. He said to himself in his mind. Anybody ever say anything to yourself before you, you thought it, but you didn't let it come out of your mouth? Anybody ever, ever done that? I want to say it, but it's not coming out. And he says this. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Verse 40 says, and Jesus answering said to him. Now remember, he thought this in his head. And then Jesus speaks up. Simon, I got something to say to you. Simon says, say it, teacher. Look at this. Simon was shocked that Jesus didn't address this woman who walked in uninvited and made this absurd gesture. Thinking, if this guy was a prophet, he would have known who this woman, that this woman was a sinner. He, he knows this. And, and, and I love this because this, this, is, this is a beautiful picture of Jesus. Simon, I have something to say to you. Do you know the Lord has something to say to us today? We've thought things. We've counted people out as the people of God. God, forgive me for that. But there's moments where we see someone that says, there's no way. Can I tell you, Jesus is saying, I got something to say to you, Cornerstone. I got something to say to you. But what I love about Simon's response here is he's kind of like, I know I'm caught here. Say it, teacher, because I know it's about to come down. You ever thought about this? I, I, this, is, this is me personally. I think about this. How did Simon know that she was a sinner? Well, that, that leads me to two things. He was gossiping. And you, you can fill in the other blank. Jesus calls him out and says, Simon, can I tell you something? And I love his response. Lord, say it, teacher. Don't hold back. Tell me what's on your mind. I think God's looking for a church that will say, Lord, don't hold back. Tell me what's on your mind. I need to hear what you're saying to us. Look at this. Verse 41 says, a certain money lender and two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Everyone say, woo, thank you, Dave Ramsey, right? Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. See, two debts were paid there, one of 500 and one of 50 denarii. And, 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 and he answers this, and Jesus, in essence, is saying this, Simon, the woman's sins are of the flesh. But yours are of the Spirit. Her sins are observable. We can see them. But let me tell you something, Buster. Yours are more subtle. Here's some good news. I don't know about you. I, 
I can relate in, in both directions here. I can relate as a, as a Pharisee at times. And then there's been moments where I've just had to be merry sometimes. And I was just a broken mess. And I just had to come before the Lord. But if you can relate to the Pharisee, Jesus responded and accepted the invitation of Simon. He, he went into his house. Maybe you've had Pharisee tendencies, but can I tell you something? Jesus will get right up where you are and where you're living. Because this is what happens. When Jesus gets around you and he starts rubbing shoulders with you, come here, Marcus. When Jesus starts rubbing shoulders with you, guess what? You start smelling like him. You start looking like him. You start talking like him. And today, you may have that Pharisee mindset and say, you know what, I, I've been a little bit judgmental to people, and I've been a little bit, but let me tell you something, when Jesus is rubbing shoulders with you, he'll change you. Maybe you can relate to Mary or, or, and, and, and the way that Jesus responded to her and accepted her worship. He loved her so much that he just let her worship him in her own way at that moment. Look at this, verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, I like this. Well, I'm looking at the woman, but I'm talking to Simon. Catch this. This is beautiful. Do you see this woman? He's talking to Simon. I, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, was, she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. See, it's important, that kiss. You, you say, oh, well, that's weird. But that's how they would, they would greet someone when they would come in. So that tells me that Simon's heart was a little bit hard, and he didn't greet Jesus the way he should have greeted him. But this lowly sinner woman, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I, all I can do is just kiss his feet because I need, I need to know him. I need to be with him. Verse 47 says, therefore I tell you, uh, Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Everyone say, she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, he turns his direction towards her and says, your sins are forgiven. Probably known as the greatest sinner across that little town was this woman. And, and, and I, it's funny because us, we as people, we put people in levels, you know. And that's the worst of the worst. Drug dealers, murderers, prostitutes, those things. Those are the outcasts. Those are the people that nobody wants. Those are the people that Jesus loves. But you know who else Jesus loves? The Pharisee. But perhaps we're not guilty of the obvious sin because of our sin. Our sin is of attitude, of thought, of corruption within. The key here is that one who is truly aware of their sin will be like the woman broken and repent. Scripture says, Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can I tell you something? God has made me whole, but I, I'm a sinner too. I've sinned. I've failed. I've made mistakes. But God is faithful. And God is gracious. 
It's by his mercies that I stand here today and I could say I am a child of God. It's nothing else. When we are repentant, Jesus will forgive. I, I said this earlier, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this because I could just see this lady saying, my chains are gone. I've been redeemed. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, your mercy reigns. Unending love, <laughs> amazing grace. Come on, sing that. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy Unending love, amazing grace. Look at this, Romans 5, 8 said this. Just give me just a few more moments. Listen, I, God's going to do something in this house today. Listen to this, Romans 5, 8 says this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. In the middle of knowing that you're a sinner, he died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is extravagant love, ladies and gentlemen. That is extravagant love that can only come from a God who loves us. Look at this, verse 49. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? They're rattled because he had just forgiven this woman's sins. And here's the deal. They missed it. They just plain, simply missed it. And here's the, here's the tendency sometimes. I've been in church a long time. If I'm not careful, I can become a critic really fast. And I can just miss it when God's doing something. Verse 50. Hmm. Whew. This is going to mess me up today. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can I tell you something? You may be here and you may be loving Jesus. And you may say, hey, I need to go sit at the feet of Jesus. But let me tell you something. It is your faith that saves you. It was not her love for him that saved her. It was her faith. Your what? Faith. Oh, not my words, Jesus. You can take it up with him. True faith manifests itself in love. True faith manifests itself in Galatians 5, 6. The second part of that verse says it's 
faith working in love. It's faith that sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, believes the incredible, and does the impossible. It's faith that pleases pleases God according to Hebrews 11.6. Now listen to me. If, if, if you put the Bible in chronological order before this story happens, it's Matthew 11.28, okay? And, and in that story, Jesus would say this statement, and this is in the NLT. He says this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light you know why she ran to the Pharisee's house because he had just proclaimed this Jesus had just proclaimed this and she's saying God I'm coming can I tell you that if you feel heavy and if you feel lost in this moment all you have to do is to be like this woman come to Jesus simple. It's so simple. But we got to get our pride out of the way. We got to get our agenda out of the way. And we got to get our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Maybe you're feeling heavy in your hearts. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're feeling overcome and overwhelmed. Go to Jesus. Maybe you're feeling guilty over your past. Go to Jesus. Put you bow your heads all across this building. I want to give you an invitation to come to Jesus today. I want to give you a, a powerful invitation to come to Jesus today. In this moment, I know the Holy Spirit's doing a work in this house today. And I don't want you to feel like that you're in this alone. We'll stand with you. We'll pray with you. But I, I, I just feel right now compelled. The Spirit of God is saying, come. Come on. You just got to take a step out of the aisle. Come on. I want you to come to the front today. Come on. I, thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, there's more of you. There's more of you. There's more of you. Some of, some of you, you need to let your pride get to the side. This is a moment that God wants to touch you. This is a moment that God wants to forgive you. This is the moment that God wants to save you. Come on, can I get some of my, 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 my board members? I, I need you guys to come pray for some people. Come on. I need, I, I need some prayer warriors. W Wanda, can you, can you come down and pray? I need some people to come pray for these right now. Hey, maybe you're out there. And you say, hey, everything's all right with me. Will you just begin to lift your hands in adoration? Will you be like Mary and say, God, I'm just going to give you extravagant worship today. God, I'm going to pour myself out today. God, I'm going to give you a little bit more today. God, it may be weird, but I'm going to serve you. I want to worship you. Jesus. We worship you, Jesus.